Welcome to Cosmetics, your go-to girls for all things inner and outer beauty. You're joined, as always, by your hosts, Ella James and Caitlin Gregg. Hey! Hi! So today on the show, we're very excited to have Dr. Ben Talley, one of Hollywood's and LA's and the world's best board-certified plastic surgeons and fellow podcaster. Thank you, and and future Cosmetic. Yeah! joining. (laughs) So... Thank you so much, Dr. Ben, for having us in your wonderful space today. Um, we feel very blessed to be here. My pleasure. Thanks for delighting us with your accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are our accents strong to you? They are extremely strong. Oh my god! Really? They're, no, they're perfectly Aussie. <laughs> yeah, they're perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of Australian friends, so I kind of phases out, but it is one of my favorite accents. Yeah. Oh, Likewise, we... we were walking around today, and we were, it kind of sounds like we're in a movie because most movies are obviously American and LA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I thought that today as well. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you so much. So could you start by introducing yourself to our audience? Yeah, I'm a facial plastic surgeon, so I do only from collarbone to the top of the head. And I focus mainly, even though I trained in uh, birthmarks and pediatrics and cancer reconstruction, I now focus mainly on cosmetic stuff. So I, I was a very avid injector. I used to inject about... I don't know, 30, 40 people a day, six days a week, wow. and operated, and I was doing mainly facelifts, lip lifts, eyebrows, eyes, nose, that kind of stuff. Now, now, because my life was just going down the drain with too much work, I'm focused strictly on uh, surgery, and then I still teach for injectables, because I have you know a good knowledge base of the anatomy, and uh, I know how to keep people natural, and I'm very realistic about what fillers do in the long run, and how to avoid problems. Mm, fascinating so before we kick the interview off we always like to put our guests on the spot with some trivia oh. <laughs> <Cosmetics> <laughs> trivia to test your knowledge and see how much you know about the industry oh, let's see <laughs> so question number one is what is the capital of plastic surgery in the world oh it's got to be beverly hills wrong brazil <laughs> is it in brazil <laughs> No, it was Brazil's in the top three. I feel like surely the US would be as well, right? Yeah. Uh, number well, three. according to Columbia, the internet, internet, it's mm-hmm. South Korea. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, um, you can see that one. It is South Korea. Yeah, I, I went on it's a trip. Definitely South Korea. I went on a trip to South Korea, and we were staying in Gangnam. Yeah. Which is apparently the capital within South Korea. Yes, it is. And I kid you not, um, I was told there's over 500 clinics there. And you would look at these high rises and just stacked on top of each other. It's just clinic after clinic yep. after clinic. Gagnam Seoul, they're filled, filled with plastic surgery. And it's, uh, it's very, it's a very different t- kind of surgery than other parts of the world. Uh, Korean surgery is definitely very specific and they do a lot of good things, and a lot of crazy things. And there's a lot of, uh, it was the first country I saw put out like CGI, uh, CGI for before and after videos and they would show what CGI uh, uh, like like graphic imaging so they would oh. they, 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 they would uh, modify or alter a video uh, so you'd think that someone's improving because they put a cream on their face and then they'd sell like millions of dollars of this cream mm, uh, but it was all fake so so, illegal. so yeah so you always have to question unfortunately what comes out of Korea uh, just to get the question what comes out of Turkey and Iran and you know there's countries where 
they're uh, they're they don't regulate as much really what happens, even mm-hmm. though they want to and they say they do. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they don't, and there's a lot of people like copying other people's work or. Uh, doing again photo editing or video editing video editing is tricky because you think people can just photoshop they can video shop it's like beauty <laughs> propaganda yeah oh it's, it's 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 pretty wild but but korea definitely uh is is leading the way in a lot of different types of uh facial reconstructive surgeries mm-hmm. and bony augmentation and that kind of stuff that other countries are not good at or don't do mm-hmm. interesting and question number two which country performs more plastic surgery per year, Australia or the US? More plastic surgery? It's yeah. got to be US. Interesting. It was a trick question. <laughs> yeah. So the US does, in volume, perform more surgery, yeah. but per, per capita, capita yeah. it's Australia. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are significantly smaller than the US, yeah, right, right. but yeah. trick question. That blows my mind, though. Like, that's You're... crazy. We're so small. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a giant country with two or three like main cities and yeah. populations, and then everything's spread out. And I, I realize that when I go try to visit like Blue Mountains and this and that, and like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'll just go hop over there. It's like five hours uh, away, yeah. six hours away. I'm like, oh my god. Well, our, wait, our city's not as spread out as LA. Like we've been getting forty minute, thirty minute Ubers yeah. everywhere in LA. Whereas Sydney, I feel like it's quite centralized. Because yeah, Sydney's Sydney. LA yeah. is like 10 cities. Yeah. So LA is a conglomerate. And New York is mainly New York City, but it's five boroughs. So there's mm. like different, you know, areas. Yeah. Too. But New York is uh, probably a little smaller than Sydney. And then LA is bigger in general because it's just all these other cities that are part of Los Angeles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So third and final question. What era is plastic surgery believed to have first been performed? Oh, that's like uh, Egyptians and uh, BC, BC 2000s or something, 1800 BC or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Egyptians were the first ones to, or, or that we have a record of doing plastic surgery and it was on like noses and things like that. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so it yeah. dates back to around 800 BC. Yeah. Um, and it was originally reconstructing (laughs) amputated noses. So well done. (laughs) So given we are from Australia, we'd love to know your opinion on what is the hottest in hottest surgery and treatments in Hollywood right now. So the the hottest, not necessarily the best. (laughs) Um, LA, just like everywhere else, if you walk around, you know, see people walk around like fake, weird, done, Mm. Um, we're a land of dysmorphic doctors and a land of dysmorphic patients. And this is the unfortunate reality. But the most popular thing right now in the non-invasive world is threading and uh, radio frequency. So those are the, the two things. Whereas like maybe like five, six years ago, it was fat grafting. Everyone was just like, oh my God, we could fat graft. It's so much more <laughs> natural than fillers, not realizing, you know, Taking fat from your ass, putting it in your face is not like a natural thing necessarily. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so the, 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 those are the most common uh, things that you see in the non-invasive world right now. And then in the surgical world, BBL was huge. Oh my gosh! Like yeah, five years ago, and it sounds funny because BBL is huge. It's a big, big <laughs> yeah, pun intended. Uh, yes, and uh, it, it's it slowed down a little bit, I'd say, uh, with all the excitement from little complications here and there because people figured out like not every surgeon is good at it mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a small world you know where, where people are actually good and uh realistically i think the biggest changes we've seen in the past 
few years is facelifting has become more common in the younger population. And I'm not like 30s, but uh, classically it's been 55 to 65. 10 years ago it was 45 to 55. Mm-hmm. Now it's like yeah, late 30s, you're you know getting into it and uh, new, new types of facelifts are being done. So it's more natural and it's not like a skin lift anymore. And I'd love to know what percentage of celeb, like what, from your perspective, what percentage of celebrities would actually have like some sort of surgical work done? So Botox and filler, like probably 70, 80% of them. There are I even more. Yeah. Uh, no, because there's a lot of character actors who won't do it. So oh, there's a lot of character actors who uh, who, are, who who don't want to do it, and at, at some point they give in and they do some Botox, you know. Yeah. But you don't want to lose your expression. Yeah. yeah. We, we recently gave in and had our first round of Botox. We were sitting opposite each other on the couch the day it kicked in, and we were laughing at each other, and we just realized our faces weren't moving. Yeah. We were like we were squinting yeah. our eyes, like squinting, tears <laughs> rolling down. Expressionless cosmetics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the. You know, if you, if you look at a, the older population and actors and actresses, um, other than the character ones, mm-hmm. uh, almost all of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not your Kevin Costner and, uh, you know, those people, but, but certainly I'd say the other actors, actresses, by the time they're like 60, almost all of them have. Yeah. Um, the younger ones, some of them have and lie about it. Other yeah. ones have not. And people assume they have for years. Like the mm-hmm. Hadids or something, they would assume... Um, they'd say, no, I didn't do my nose. I didn't do my, you know, anything else where you can see, okay, there's a buccal fat pad removal. There's likely a chin implant in there and there's definitely a nose job. Yeah. And then they say, well, they did their brows. And then I told everyone in the beginning, I'm like, no, they haven't done their brows. But then now if you look at them, maybe they have. <laughs> so it really depends on timing and, yeah. and when you see it. But, yeah. uh, everybody's confused and they usually use these things to their benefit, especially like cosmetic practitioners they'll put Mm. up photos of hadids and be like look what do you think they had done and we can do this with threads or we can do this with uh surgery and they realistically like the doctor has no idea if they ever had anything done yeah because we had a conversation with a doctor a while ago and it was just chatting about like the unrealistic expectations that hollywood sets but because it's thought i guess that they've had work done and then celebrities i guess we'll talk about not having work done yeah yeah, I mean, and and do celebrities have any obligation to, like, not mislead people? Their lives are based on misleading people. So, like, <laughs> I don't know what responsibility you expect. They're not role models, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know what responsibility you expect these people to have or why you expect them to tell the truth when their life is based on acting. Yeah, um, that's true. So realistically, I wouldn't put much faith into what they say. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and younger people will become... It's not going to become dysmorphic. At this point, they're going to become dysmorphic anyways because of social media and filters. Totally. So, and that's enough. And I've, I've even given talks where they've asked me, like, where do you think this is going? And I say, well, realistically, like, people are getting filter dysmorphia. It's called Snapchat dysmorphia. It's like totally. the nickname for it. The next thing is going to be some kind of metaverse issue where, like, you, oh have, my you know, people will have avatars and they'll have avatar dysmorphia probably yeah. because they want to look like I their avatar. Look like my avatar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they make this avatar and like I want to look like that and I'm this and you know in the metaverse yeah. and that's yeah. how I am and they they might want to start looking like their avatars and people started laughing. I'm like, well, think about it. I'm like, people watch anime porn, don't they? And this is their national oh conference and they're like, what's anime porn? And I'm like, oh, you don't know what anime porn is. <laughs> Like, oh. I mean, I don't, but... Uh, okay, so another fancy thing that came from Korea and Japan is anime porn, which uh, a- anime characters, you know, the anime cartoons? Yeah. So they actually made pornography out of them. That's and it's so a weird. Huge, huge business. Huge business is, is mm-hmm. anime porn. And so I say, okay, if people are going to be attracted to cartoons, 
then why wouldn't they want to look like cartoons? No, so, no. yeah, and they want to look like animals sometimes. You have the Catwoman and this and that. So either way, there's a whole world of possibilities out there for what's going to happen next. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you've discussed on in the interviews before um, and shared some of the celebrities you have worked on. Mm-hmm. Are you happy to like, talk through um, some people that you yeah. have worked on? Well, so, so I mean, the, the biggest celebrities I don't get to talk about. So yeah. <laughs> the ones who come to me and they'll never talk about it and they're on TV all the time. Like, my mom will see them and say, like, like, oh, oh she's yeah. so pretty. And I can't say anything. <laughs> and, and my mom is just like, oh, my gosh, she's so pretty. See, see, Benny, like, like why can't they all just be this natural? I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, I did a face off on her one month ago. <laughs> like, you know, you can't say anything. So, so most of them, like, I'm talking about, like, you know, the sports figures I grew up with, the singers, the actors. It's Beverly Hills. They all, you know, they, yeah. they, 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 yeah. they, they come. I never get to talk about their... You know, and you watch reality TV shows, and they're always like, everyone looks fake except for those ones because they never had anything done. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> or the sure. newsca- I had a newscaster here, and the newscaster is like, yeah, nobody on my show has ever done anything. And, and you know, so I'm so scared to do it. I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, I just did oh, your you partner. <laughs> I just did your partner like three weeks ago. Uh, so um, the, the, the ones that are public about it, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like, um, Angie Everhart, the, the, the supermodel. So we did. That was one of the first things that I did was like a facelift and brow lift and facial rejuvenation on her, which was cool because she was the first redhead supermodel. Mm-hmm. And I was, I think, just starting practice at that point and I was really good at what I did. So she came to me for that and we televised it and then I ended up doing, I think, like Chris Jenner's sister like two weeks later. And it was just a run of little, you know, celebrity things here and there that, that, that I would do. And um, now I think recently just like, Gwyneth Paltrow talks about doing Zeoman, so so she came in publicly did it. Uh, Zeoman's another form of Botox, dysport mm-hmm. of, of of botulinum toxin. So mm-hmm. there there are celebrities who like do share it and don't care, mm-hmm. uh, and then the uh, there are other ones who just don't want it to become part of their persona, where people discuss this about them instead of worrying about their profession. You know, saying like they're the best actor, yeah, and or they'll recognize them as the actor who had plastic surgery, which realistically is not the case like people would be relieved to hear that like they did something as long as they look natural yeah if people look fake doesn't matter if you say it or don't say it people are going to talk shit about you all the time yeah that's that's how it is if you look natural nobody's going to say anything bad that you got plastic surgery they're going to be like oh my god how amazing great you know Yeah, I was just about to ask, but you sort of answered it. But I wonder why we got ourselves into a situation where people are like scared to tell their colleagues or don't want people to know. Like it's such a, it seems like such a non-event. If you and particularly if you're doing something for like your own self-confidence or your own image. Yeah. So the, I mean, a lot of them don't want people to think that they had a problem with their image. That's like yeah. the thing they don't want them to think that. Oh my god, I was self-conscious, or oh my god, I, I was insecure. That's what they don't want people to think. Yeah. Uh, Many people have that anxiety about people finding out and then they do a surgery with me, for example, and I do natural work mm. and they go tell the world because they didn't think it could be so natural and become proud of it. So when mm. people, are, you know, look at me, oh, you've never had anything done. I'm like, yeah, I did my hair. I did a neck, you know, skin tightening and, uh, and they're like, let me see it. And I, you know, show it to them and it looks natural. So and it's, it's not just because it's my work. It's because it's natural. And mm. why would I be ashamed if it looks natural? Who cares? It's yeah. like, share it with the world. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And that's how a lot of people are. Uh, they just don't know until they go through it. But mm-hmm. others just don't want to be judged because they think people will judge them for it. And in the you know c- certain countries, it's obviously worse. But in the U.S., it's becoming a little easier. Social media makes it a little easier because everyone talks about it. They all share it now. 
So it's, it's becoming a little bit uh, more accepted in the culture. Yeah. Mm. When people are, ask us what we've had done, I say, mm. oh, I'm actually 35. <laughs> oh, you look like you're 15. <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely something we've noticed is it is becoming like, far more accepted to talk about. And that oh, was yeah. kind of one of the reasons that we wanted to start the podcast as well was to kind of help raise the taboo and um, allow people to feel like they don't have to hide it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, which And they great. don't have to be scared of it. You just have to be educated and know what to ask and where to go. Yeah. And, and in, in Dubai, like, they come in in groups. Like, friends all come in together. Here in LA, they come in together. It's, like, a fun thing that they all share. An they outing, try to run the yeah. same time. Mm, uh, I mean, we do, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more fun and it's, like, a bonding experience. Um, in Deutschland, like, forget about it. They're not, you know, like, go to Germany, nobody will talk about it. Yeah. It does not happen. Go to Switzerland, nobody will talk about it. Well, in Korea, when I was walking through Gangnam, you'd see the girls, you know, walking down, holding, like, linking arms, and they all had their little cast yeah. on their nose. Because I, I heard that it's about one in three women under 29 have been under the knife. Because oh, yeah. it's kind of like a graduation present. Yeah. Um, Iran, it's very accepted. In, in Iran, because everybody's got big Iranian noses. So they all go get yeah. their noses done. Mm. And, it, and it's accepted. And in some, it used to be, it would be kind of like a class thing where you're showing like, I have money, I got a nose job. So people would wear their casts for longer periods of time, which is... Your nose is fully recovered. You don't need yeah, it. Yeah, you can take this off. Now. It's been a year. Do the cast um, take off and then, oh, can you just put it back on? Yeah. <laughs> it's bad boy, 10 grand. Yeah, so that's exactly what they would do. It's exactly uh, what they would do. Badge of honor. Yeah. yeah. And so what would you say is the most popular surgery you're doing currently? For me, um, I'm most well known for facelifting and lip lifting. And mm-hmm. facelifting, uh, you can go ahead and throw in brows and eyes and all that stuff, you know, that's aging face in with it. Um, but for my facelift specifically, I'm, I'm very well known, which is like a, a, a very like advanced type of deep plane lip. And then the lip lift is something that I had repopularized probably like seven years ago and then invented or made a new type of lip lift called the Cupid lip lift, which is an acronym. I didn't even intend to make it, but... I love when acronyms work out. It's fantastic because I was sitting there writing my article that I've been, I wrote two years ago, three years ago, and I might just finally publish it in the next couple of months because I just, I, I was too busy. And when you look at the acronym for the lines, the relaxed skin tension lines on the face, it's CPID, which is Central Peak Intermediate Diagonal. That spells Cupid. So that's oh why I need the Cupid lift. But it, it's nice because you can do this lip lift now where uh, you don't, really need to lift the lip you can change the shape the character you can turn someone with an angry lip to like a nice looking lip mm-hmm. and it's cool because nobody was ever able to do that before mm-hmm. and the way i figured it out other than just you know doing three thousand of them was i was trying to teach them and teaching you realize like not everybody picks up everything you say and it gets a little discouraging and i went back and thought to myself like okay well doctors are clearly not artistic so i can't teach them beauty i can't teach them art i can't teach them balance you know that's why we have all these guidelines and ratios of the fifths and the thirds is so people can understand i thought okay what kind of dimensions or what kind of calculation can i come up with where i can actually like relay it to them and they can remember these are solid concrete thinking people you know they're not creative they're not artistic they're doctors and so i realized the whole time I'd been designing things with this little ratio and I just I'm good at measuring things with my eyes I've done 3000 so I can measure to half a millimeter when I started measuring I realized I had this slope 
And then I reverse engineered it, and I'm like, okay, I figured it out. So that's where the cubit lift idea came from. Mm. So that's becoming more popular now. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw a lip lift, I was walking into one of the clinics back in Sydney, and the girl that worked there had the little stitches yeah. under mm. her nose, and I just had, I'd never seen this treatment before. Mm. Um, I think it's it's becoming more like more popular. Is that right? Or yeah, definitely. It's it's picking up more and more, and the the biggest thing that's spread it is social media. Social media um, is the like the worst thing that could have ever happened sometimes to plastic surgery, and sometimes it's the best. Mm. So in this case, it's popularizing, and people are learning more about it, and. Uh, now everybody has a friend who's had it, whether they know yeah. it or not. And it's coming about at the right time when some people are realizing they can't just survive off of fillers. And fillers for some people are fantastic and beautiful, and it's all they need. And I would never say get surgery, whereas for others, fillers don't work. They're not going to work for you because you're going to get a ducky lip no matter what you do. You just don't have the anatomy for it. So I'm, I'm excited that it's, it's spreading in popularity. I'd love to know, how do you decide that someone's lips aren't good for filler? Um, when you look at it, you'll, you have to envision where it's going to go. And mm-hmm. in the lip, even though people inject it all over the place and they try to get Kylie Jenner lips, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and even Kylie Jenner, like she, she's the poster child for lip filler. Right. Yeah. And well, and she was in the U S at least, but her lips got to such a size with so many irregularities that she went and dissolved it because it was too thick. It wasn't functioning anymore. And she had it dissolved by, you know, some good person somewhere and um and so she after it's dissolved she gets it refilled naturally and it looks good but she went beyond where you're supposed to go and she doesn't know that you know she's not a doctor but the doctor didn't know that either so they just keep injecting 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 yeah so realistically when you look at someone there is this dry area of the lip called the dry vermilion okay between the vermilion border and the wet part of your lip that's the only compartment where you can fill and the compartment within there is called the lamina propria. It's this tiny little area that's a little watery, and you fill it with a little bit of gel, which is filler, and it gets a little bit bigger, and that's it. You kind of call it a day. Mm-hmm. Some people can go a little bit farther with it because they have more space for expansion, uh, and their lip is suspended by their nose nicely, which means if you fill it, it's not going to start drooping. Mm-hmm. Other people, when you start filling it, the sides start falling because their nose doesn't hold their lip up very well. And their face is holding it, and the face just keeps drooping over oh, time. No. So, so yeah, so so there's a way to, to to look at people and realize like, okay, you're a good candidate for a tiny. Everyone's a candidate for some filler. Like you, you can always do like a tiny, tiny bit. Um, but it's up to the doctor to really like figure out like how much can I do without making them look awkward or without affecting their function mm. or without putting too much pressure in this closed compartment. Because what happens when you put pressure in this closed compartment? it's going to start escaping the compartment and it starts migrating and it starts pushing every time you smile and it'll go and over 10 years it'll just stay there and never go away. Gosh, all that knowledge makes yeah. me worried about injecting in Australia because it's predominant, like it's the barrier to entry for injecting is super low. <laughs> I think it's a couple yeah. day course. You do have to be a registered nurse, um, but I think it's a couple day course and you can start injecting. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Um, there, there are good practitioners there, and like, there's good clinics. You just gotta realize before going in, not everyone's good. So yeah. you know, go to more of a reputable, uh, reputable clinic, like 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 Dr. Naomi's clinic that we talked about, or yeah. um, you know, those areas, and you're 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 generally safer. And then just go conservative. You know, fillers uh, are not meant to make big changes. And no matter what people say, like if anyone says, oh, of course you can put 15 cc's 
of filler in someone's face. I do it all the time. It means they're making people look like monsters and gargoyles all the time. All mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really nice to use filler for a small accent, small change. You know, you don't change someone's entire face with filler, even though you can, because it's going to be water weight. It's not going to look good in the future. There's uh, a guy in Brazil who's like super, super popular worldwide for filler because he does these magical things with filler. And yes, if you look at a before and after photo, 100 out of 100 people will say that before and after photo is amazing. Even me, I would look at it and say it's amazing. But I know what's going to happen to that person in the next six months. They're going to start looking like they have like cancer and tumors in their face because they have so much water weight. But they don't show those photos. And the person becomes dysmorphic over time. They start to see things differently. They start to see their face with all this water in it. And they think it's normal. And they never change. And their muscle function goes to shit. And that's really what happens when you do too much. And a lot of injectors hear me say this. And they're like, I can't believe you're so against injections. I'm like, I'm not, you moron. I just said, don't overdo it. Mm. It's about doing it with taste. Surgery can have complications. Surgery can have a lot of problems and can permanently disfigure people. Fillers can do the same. You just have to know how to do it. Do it tastefully. Small amounts. Know the anatomy. Respect the anatomy. Which means don't try to take someone who's an A to someone who's a Z. You can't do that. Mm. Like you take it from an A to a B. A B to a C. That's it. Mm. Call it a day. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think Ella would be a good candidate? Because like she's I had lip filler before. But, but she I'm worried. Some. So we used the Quantificator camera and we fiddled with it and put some mills in my top lip and it blew up. Because I yeah. don't know if I've got enough shape. Uh, you could put the tiniest bit and you would just be pretty much hydrating it. For you, it would be nice because it would be balancing your lower lip. Mm. So you put the tiniest bit there um, and it would look nice. The other is that your teeth push forward a little bit. So mm. you can't do too much. Mm. If you do that, you can look like you have a big overbite. So, yeah. so you just do the tiniest, tiniest bit and that's it. Mm, thank I, you. I, I call that hydratory filler. It just makes the lip look a little more hydrated and plump. That's all. Oh, nice. And I was thinking as you were talking about that. So a lot of people or a lot of, a lot of injectors in Sydney talk about your maintenance injections and yep. have people coming back every couple of months for top ups. Sure. Is, have, what do you think about that? Generally a terrible idea. Um, Botox, yes. So Botox and neurotoxins, they dwindle on some people at three months, some people at six months, some people at nine months. Um, I, I tell people, you know, try to make it go as long as you can uh you don't need to be perfect all the time let it wear off a little and then do it again it's easier for the injector too Mm. uh so usually like five six months or so the idea that fillers last six months to nine months or a year is not based on reality these are uh false assumptions from misreading articles so they read articles that say the clinical evaluation showed that the clinical effect meaning a doctor looking at a before and after photo, didn't see the filler anymore after nine months or for Voluma after two years, okay? Um, That does not mean that the filler is gone. And why would the filler be gone? Why would the body dissolve all your filler? It's, it's, you know, they've designed this thing that's supposed to stay in there and be inert that you don't react to. Anything you don't react to typically sticks around. That's, you know, that that stays for a little bit. It'll stick around for like water, okay? So, um... Fillers do have residue, they do stick around, and they can clog lymphatics, they can alter muscle function. So it's not a good idea to keep topping up. What you want to do is wait for things to really wear off, and then touch it up again. Don't keep touching up every six months. Don't keep doing that. It's not a good idea. Um, You can always go have a check with your doctor every six months and get your Botox, and then ask them, should I do anything? But the doctor should probably tell you, nah, don't do it yet. Come back next year. Mm -hmm. No, don't do it yet. I did filler on my brother's under eyes five years ago. It's mm. still there. I did filler in my sister's lip 
like seven years ago. Still there. Yeah. And yes, she can use a touch-up, but she doesn't care. It doesn't need one. Uh, so this stuff does stick around, and you can't predict how long it sticks around for. It could be on you six months. It could be ten years. Mm. You don't know. Mm. You just have to have someone who can see it without using an ultrasound. I Meaning they just look at your face, and they recognize, okay, you have a deficit. You don't have a deficit. You have bad filler. You have good filler. You have filler that was injected five years ago that was called Restylane. Now it's not called Restylane anymore because it changed its character. Your body starts metabolizing it, changes the cross-linking. Now it acts differently. So it doesn't have that benign activity that it used to have. Now it's causing swelling under your eye. Mm. And people come in, oh, is that what that swelling is under my eye? Like, yep. Did I have a bad filler? No, you had a perfect filler. Done perfectly five years ago. But it stuck around too long. And by, you know, if it sticks around for a long time, it might alter. Wow. Yeah, I think it was Dr. Gavin Chan who did a YouTube video yep. on the filler, and I was like 12 years, and he did yeah. the ultrasounds, yeah. and over time you could still actually see yeah. um, physical presence of oh, the filler. Yeah. And, and he's a very, very smart guy, and it, he did MRIs, and he showed it, and um, I've been telling people for the seven, eight years I've been in practice, I saw it immediately, because I see things. Mm-hmm. People don't see things, and I see things, and I would tell them, the filler's still there 10 years later. And like, no, it's impossible. I'm like, it's happening, and I see it. They'd argue with me. I say fillers migrate. Migration of fillers was argued. Nobody would admit to migration of filler because it just means there could be problems. God forbid you admit that something mm. could have a problem. So they'd come and argue with me all the time. Argue, argue, argue. Impossible, impossible. Why would it migrate? Tell me the science behind it. I'm like, you tell me the science behind why it wouldn't migrate. Like, tell me the science behind why it wouldn't stay. You know, <laughs> like, like, I don't understand what you're, you know, arguing about. So it, it is great that people like Gavin can come and like show these people visually like here, it's actually there. Here's your scientific article. Um, and now listen to it. And the new thing that they debate is I've been telling people that dissolvers can deflate someone for a long period of time. And of course there's a whole a slew of reasons why it does it to one person and not the other mm-hmm. and why it can cause damage on one person for 10 years and the other on three months you know there's a and i have my own ideas for it but people don't believe it or want to believe it because again it means that whatever they do could have a risk and a problem they don't want to admit to that mm-hmm. um, or they don't see it and if they don't see it well that's common and so we have to wait for gavin to do a study to show everybody again <laughs> I, I don't have the time to go do that kind of stuff and i told him I'm like, yeah, I'll leave the nerdy stuff up to you. I'm like, I'll make you go prove it. Um, send, me, send it to me when it's done. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he's such a smart guy. Like, he'll be able to show everybody and then, you know, they can stop arguing with me about, like, the most obvious thing. It's like, I'm, I'm saying, like, I see white and it's white and they argue. Like, it's not white. Like, <laughs> prove to me it's white. I'm like, it's white. Just look at it. <laughs> so, yeah. And something that's really big, sorry, just to switch topics altogether. Something yeah. that's really big in Australia is the foxy eye look. Oh, okay. And I think it's obviously come from Hollywood, the Hitties, we whether they have or haven't. <laughs> I apologize on behalf of uh, LA for this fox eye, snatched eye, cat eye, yeah. whatever's going on. So there are two things that uh, are two areas that people are addressing with this cat eye, fox eye. One of them is the eyebrows, where they want to get the eyebrows snatched. If a doctor says snatched, don't go to that doctor. Okay. <laughs> run. Uh, yeah, uh, run. We saw a snatched uh-huh. clinic today. <laughs> yeah, so you watch out for that. Yeah. Uh, the other is the, the eyes. So they try to actually like tighten the eye to change the shape of the eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless your eye is damaged already, it is impossible to improve upon the shape of the eye. It only gets worse. So And you say, oh, but I saw it in a photo. I go, listen, it only gets worse. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, but I saw it in this picture. I go, do you understand what I'm saying? 
it will only get worse. There is no option. There is no anything. <laughs> At very best, it'll go back to the same, but most likely it'll get worse. So that's called canthopexies, and they were doing this a lot in Iran and Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two most common like areas either in the, in, in the Middle East for doing surgery and the crazier procedures sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would try to tighten up the eyes. And I tell people, please do not do a canthopexy unless you're old and you need it, or unless you've had bad surgery and your canthus is short and you need to extend it. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 that's what any oculoplastic surgeon would say. For the brows, we have threads now versus brow lift. And the brow lift world is surgical and you can do endoscopic brow lifts, coronal brow lifts, and now you could do a gliding brow lift. You could do a temporal lift. And all these are fine to do. I tell people just stick to the classic endoscopic brow lift if you ever need one. Never do a brow lift if you don't need it, even if you want to change the shape of your brow, because it doesn't do that. What it's going to do is just make you look more surprised if you don't need it, and your (laughs) eyes are going to look like you're staring at everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. The threads are really stretching the limits of like reality when you try to think. There's no logical way to explain to somebody why threads would work. There are imaginative, unrealistic ways, and that's it. And when that's the case, you shouldn't do that procedure. So there are doctors who would say, well, no, it forms collagen. I'm like, do you even know what you're talking about, collagen? Like, have you, do you, you know what collagen is? Like, and they don't know what collagen is. They just think collagen is like a vitamin. Like, it's a good thing. So what they're realistically saying is it forms scar tissue. And scar tissue somehow is good for your mobile brow, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So all these people are getting threads. And uh, they're, they're getting these things we call threadaches. Threadaches are... Headaches that come from uh, <laughs> threads. And because the complication rate is insanely high. It's about 50% I've of people. I've heard it's super painful. It, it can be painful. It's a super high complication rate, uh, which means about 50% of people will have some weirdness, some dimpling, something strange that they have to fix. That is an unacceptably high number for the success rate of about 0%. So <laughs> the success rate is 0%. I've never seen a brow done by threads, and I've seen a lot of them, that work the way I would want something to work. Now, it depends. Do you have terrible taste or good taste? I happen to have good taste. So for me, in my good taste world and my knowledge, I have seen no good results. For someone with bad taste, they might look at it and be like, ah, no, I get good results all the time. And they tell their patients that, and their patient has, here's what happens, the best result. Someone looks weird for two weeks as it like pulls too hard. Then it starts to release and they look great for like two months because they get this like kind of surprised look that they like. And then after two months, it's gone. And you did all that for what? For two months of looking decent amidst looking weird first and then having potential scar tissue deposition later. Not necessarily, but it's possible. That to me is not a logical procedure. Makes no sense. Mm. Doesn't mean doctors don't do it. I just tell people, you know, if you're an educated, smart person, don't do it. (laughs) If you want to go roll the dice and... You know, have fun with something that's never been uh, given an impressive result, then yeah, go for it. Now, threads in the rest of the face, yeah, you can argue doing it. Like, I, I wouldn't do it because, again, my threshold for doing stuff is higher. I, I need to see a visible good improvement that's worth it. I need the payoff. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I do injectables and I do radio frequency. I do surgery. All these things give me a better result than threads do. So why would I do a thread? I have the option to do everything. Other doctors don't sometimes, and they don't, you know, they have a little toolbox, and their little toolbox, they open it, it's just a hammer, and so (laughs) what are they going to do on everybody? So that's really how it goes, and so the doctors that have the ability to do other things will tell you, nah, I don't like threads. Now, if someone asks me, is it okay if I do a thread in the mid-face, like in the cheek? Yeah, go ahead. 
Not much danger. Just don't do it 50 times in a row. Do it like once, maybe twice. That's it. Mm. Don't expect it to ever work on your neck. Don't expect it to ever work on your brow. And God forbid, like, just never do it in your lip. It's just the dumbest. That's just dumb. I didn't even know you did. Yeah. Yes, yes. There are doctors who declare their dumbness. <laughs> that's, how, that's how they declare it to the world. I'm dumb. They put a thread in a lip and then you don't have to Google it. You just, yeah, you know. And so how do celebrities like the Kardashians and stuff get this snatched look? Uh, well, or is it photo editing? Like, I mean, it's cheating to ask me. I'm, I'm like friends with them, so it's like, oh, I, like, yeah. well, I, know, but I, I don't know what they do. Um, uh, so like Mama Chris, for example, you know, she she openly had said she had done some facial procedures in the past, mm. but she doesn't do much. So mm. she's like low maintenance. She's just beautiful. She's very very pretty, yeah, and all the kids are good looking. Like they're good looking kids. Um, Kim really does not do much other than she had like a while ago was doing like Botox and filler stuff. Mm. Um. She doesn't really do much, so she hasn't had facial surgical things other than like the old stuff, which which you know. So I, just I don't got really the know beautiful about. eye shape as is. Yes, yeah. she has beautiful eye shape. Um, Kendall has beautiful eye shape. Uh, now, at some point, they you know one or two of the 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 kids probably tried threads or something, but nothing like surgical on the brow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they, they all naturally have that eye shape. The Hadid's different. They. Um, what what they would do, what it looked like they were doing, I don't know this for sure, but it looked like originally, this like five years ago, they were just plucking off the eyebrow on the side and then drawing it and that and putting their hair in a tight ponytail. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at all the photos and you analyzed them, that's what it looked like. Now, probably by this point, they've done something. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not the doctor and I don't know who the doctor would have been. Um, but likely they've done something at, at, at this point that wore off. Because, if you, again, if you do like a brow lift, which is what I assume they would have done at some point, it just wears off after a couple of years on a young person. It doesn't oh, really? stay up there. Yeah. Unless you do a very, very big lift with a mid-face elevation at the same time, mm. then you can get it to stay, but you're going to stay looking weird. Mm. So um, it's uncommon that a young person would need it. Now, once you're in your 30s, different story. Once you hit your 30s, you, you are in that pool of people who might benefit from a brow lift. Uh, but in the 20s, there's like almost no way, mm. almost no way. And if you have a tight cheek, your brow's not going anywhere. How are you going to lift it against the tight cheek? It's just going to pull it back yeah, down. Yeah, you're going to pull your cheek up. You have to pull the cheek up, exactly. Uh-huh. Otherwise, the cheek just pulls it right back down. So, so, so how does the surgery actually work? Like, where do the stitches go? Uh, when you, so, so if you're doing an endoscopic brow lift, which is the most common, and you, know, you call it like the, the deep plane of elevation compared to the face, you make incisions behind the hairline either in two spots or four spots and you release everything and it's called it's like a scalp setback so you just release the scalp and just like you're pulling your scalp back with your hands that's what it does that's why ponytails mimic it some uh, sometimes oh. uh, there's a new kind or more recent it's not it's not new it's something i did like 10 years ago like or not seven years ago when i was trying to do like a mini little brow lift and it's called a gliding brow lift gliding uh what it means is rather than going deep plane you go superficial so like right under the skin release the skin roll it back put some stitches to hold it there um and it works I, now the longevity hasn't been shown for five to ten years or things like that but it's been shown to be pretty effective for like a two to five year time span for people and it's done under local anesthesia and it's pretty easy um and then there's like the temporal lifts and stuff like that where you just cut out skin cutting out skin is not a good idea for brows for most people unless someone has a gigantic forehead mm-hmm.